What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Go Long Show. I'm Tyler Dunn here with Jim Bonus, golongtd.com. Also on Substack, also right in your email inbox. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who subscribes to get every story, every column, every feature, every profile, and every podcast. We've got three of them here. The Go Long Show with Jim Monis, former Buffalo Bills director of personnel, former Philadelphia Eagle Scout, New Orleans Saints Scout, and the Ty and Bob pod with Bob McGinn, Pro Football Hall of Fame writer. Been covering the game since 1979. And of course, Favre with the three-time MVP, Brett Favre. We just recorded episode number four with number four this week uh, to dig into the state of the Green Bay Packers. I don't think you're going to want to miss that. Favre had a lot to say about the Packers, about going young, the dangers of going that young. He'd know. He's played on young teams. He's played on veteran teams. And uh, Jordan Love. I, I think you're going to want to catch that. So, Jim, good to see you. We're recording here on Wednesday morning. As always, we despise idle weather talk, uh, but it's hard to completely ignore weather talk when you look out the window and see, what, four or five inches of snow. So that wasn't expected. Haven't really winterized around here and still need to do a little raking, so I wasn't happy about that. (laughs) Well, what's happening, Tyler? Um, We're going to treat weather this year like officials. I'm done talking about it. (laughs) I can't do anything. We can't do anything about it. It's going to happen. I got to control the controllables. You're going to be like Mike Tomlin at his press conference Monday, right? It's the only way I can handle it. It's the only way I'm going to approach it this year. By the way, speaking of that Mike Tomlin presser, so I was down in Pittsburgh Monday. I drove down there to work on some things and and caught his presser, wrote a column on it. It's at the site. Um, But I had a few favorite parts, like Mike Tomlin, 17 years in, man. He is as consistent as ever. Uh, he knows he wants to set a tone. He wants to set the tenor for the team, everybody in that setting. He was asked by uh, Brooke Pryor. She does a great job covering the team for ESPN. Uh, she asked about Deontay Johnson's comments after the game, which like went completely nuclear. Did you catch Deontay Johnson's mm-hmm. comments? Mm-hmm. I mean, basically said that the refs wanted the Jaguars to win. Like there's, there's complaining about the refs and there's taking it, it to the level that he did. It was just... <laughs> a different stratosphere and uh, just in and, and the officiating was terrible, but she asked him about Deontay Johnson's comments and he kind of looked at her with a puzzled look like what, what comments, what are you talking about? I didn't see any comments <laughs> to say that with a straight face is incredible. And it kind of gives me hope like they're, they're going to figure things out. If Mike Tomlin can just laser beam focus, because obviously he, he knew what was said and he, in all likelihood, sat down with Deontay Johnson for a talking, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, we're going to get into a lot. You know, we had, we d- were talking last night about topics and what we want to get into. And it was uh, Halloween night. So it was fresh off a little trick or treating with the fam. And then lo and behold, the middle of the night, the Las Vegas Raiders kind of change our plans a little bit. Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, both fired Mark Davis cleaning house yet again out there with the Las Vegas Raiders. A lot of ways to look at this. My first instinct, Jim was 
that's the Raiders. Um, this is what they do. There's really not much of a of a plan. It's just kind of on a whim. They're going to be bad for a long, long time because of ownership. But you made a really good point before we hit record. And I'll let you kind of get into that on why this was needed. You, Tyler, that was breaking news. This, you know, as we record uh, first thing in the morning, I hadn't, you know, gone through my phone yet. So I didn't even see that. And my reaction to you was as I'm drinking my, our coffee to start the day, that made my day. Like I, Watching that game the other night, and by the way, Tyler, I watched the game the other night with our friends from Fatty Beer, Nick and Chris. Um, we had a little get together Monday night. Chris and I may have, you know, gone to the casino to, you know, talk about the Go Long podcast, the future of where we're headed. And I mean, I'm wink, wink. I mean, we were also gambling and having fun. Um, <laughs> but anyway, watching that Raiders, watching that Monday night football game. That was garbage, what they put out on the field. What Garoppolo, yes, missing throws. The, the whole thing was a disaster. We've all seen Jimmy Garoppolo play plenty good enough to get a team to a Super Bowl. So he is, we all know he has a ceiling. We all know what he is. But that was bad. That was like on a level of concerning bad. So I'm not, I'm, Devontae Adams, all the reactions. We're going to get into another player I wanted to talk about today, Max Crosby. Guys that I just are just, superstar level players like Devontae Adams and Max Crosby are they're Patrick Mahomes at their position and for those guys to get treated like this to not have a chance because your coach is inept and your GM obviously too good the Raiders don't usually do it right I mean the history but this is this is an admitting a mistake and that, I don't know what – who knows what they have planned. That's the scary part. And we talk about the major four things. <laughs> you have the owner needs to stay out of the way. Quarterback GM needs to be synced up. They have neither. Who knows where they're going with that. And you need a quarterback. They don't have that. It's an organization that isn't even close right now. With super with some superstars. Well, let's talk about quarterback because I was really surprised in the spring when – they they took the path they did. You know what Jimmy Garoppolo is. You're still a fairly new GM, new coach. You've got, you know, a, a quarterback class. I mean, the way Levis looked last week, you, you, there there might be four in this class. Like, regardless of whether they work out or not, you attach yourself to one of these guys. It buys you some time <laughs> in the name of survival. Um, I don't know. I feel like making an aggressive play for one of those quarterbacks would have been a smarter play than Jimmy Garoppolo, 72 mil damaged goods. He only takes you so far. You're going to piss off Devonte Adams, by the way, who's your most talented player. Your defense stinks outside of Max Crosby. Like what? Like there was no organizational logic to that quarterback path in the moment i mean did that when that when that signing happened jim was there anybody excited about jimmy no. garoppolo like the most hardcore raiders fan no if you're listening were you out there thinking this is it this is the answer hell no but maybe anthony richardson maybe bryce young maybe cj stroud hell will levis went in the second round you you what, what, what were they picking seventh when they took tyree wilson 
They're in the top 10. They could have made an aggressive play some way, somehow to move up for one of those three guys, or you just get Levis later. I, and it made no sense to me that that they went the Jimmy Garoppolo route at quarterback. And look, now the uh, it's time to pay the bill. You're fired. And you know what our conversation would be today if they took a rookie quarterback? How this is how rookies get ruined because they go to an organization that isn't ready or prepared to groom a rookie. I'm telling you, Tyler, just blow the thing up. Like, and to your point, yeah. They should have gone for a quarterback, and yeah, Garoppolo isn't the isn't the. If you're trying to build for the future, or have some type of show your team some type of, um, we're going after this thing. We want we're going after the best we can get. Not a guy that we think, hey, I the head coach worked with him, drafted him, knows my offense, I can win with him. <laughs> bye bye. Like it's just it's tired. It's so tired. Especially when you see Josh Dobbs go from go to a team two weeks before the season, not know anything about a team's offense, and go in there and have that. You know what happened? That team bought into Josh Dobbs right away because he didn't say a word. He just went in there, learned as much as he could, and competed. And that earns respect in the locker room. Garoppolo has respect, but. I mean, at some point, how many times are we going to sit there and say, how does he miss those throws? Like, how many times have we said that over the years? That's him. He has a ceiling. He's not He's not the answer. Josh McDaniels isn't the answer. Right. It's just, it, it, I get like this, you know, you hear it sometimes in my voice when we, I, I don't ever want to see people lose jobs. If, look, I thought we, we lost our jobs but it didn't have to do with performance. And that's why I feel like when you have a position and you're not performing, you should lose your job. Like, that's just how I feel about it. I, I don't think that that head coach and GM were showing the fit, the, the ownership, the, the, to build sustained success for that organization. It just seemed like they were grabbing Garoppolo because the head coach knew him. What's the plan? Like, what was the plan? You know, I heard a story once of a head coach berating a member of the media We'll leave the details of this story for another day. And this head coach at one point said, you know, in a pit of fury, finger in the face, there's people in this building who have families to feed. Well, shit, the decisions you make every single day, families are on a whim by those decisions. Like, yeah, I agree. There are mouths to feed. And whether it's that coach, whether it's any coach, any GM in the NFL, the decisions you make are going to change lives for better and often for worse. Those lives will be will be uprooted. They're going to move across the country. I mean, think about all these fringe NFL players, and I get it. We're pro player on here, and which I respect because you, you were in that front office seat. Uh, but these guys, th- those fringe players, they might be on – four or five teams over the course of a couple seasons. And they're constantly on the move, living out of a hotel, not knowing if they're going to be on the practice squad or the 53 and what to tell their wife, their girlfriend, their kids. It's a different lifestyle. It's a nomadic lifestyle. They signed up for it. Absolutely. They signed up for it. It's professional football. Um, But yeah, like I, I, yeah, you feel bad when somebody gets, gets fired, but 
a lot of the times they do it to themselves by their actions, their inaction, their words, what have you. And, you know, if we transition here, these Belichick knockoffs, man, they just fail one by one. It's unbelievable. Yet be very believable because you can't replicate Bill Belichick anywhere else. I mean, Josh McDaniels has done this twice now with an in-between Indianapolis Colts fiasco where he was going to go there and then he came back. Uh, you don't hear the greatest things about Josh McDaniels. And I'm thinking back, I had to pull it up here. Uh, we had that series on Tua Tunga Viola around this time a year ago. Obviously, Brian Flores is out. Mike McDaniel is in. And it just completely revitalized Tua's career. And it all started with the confidence. Yes, Tyreek Hill. Yes, Jalen Waddle. Yes, this this offense that takes advantage of his his timing, his accuracy, all of that. But just a coach who freaking believes can go a long way. And the horror stories that you hear from these Belichick knockoffs, um, Josh McDaniels came up. It's in the story. He, I, I was told he'd just berate players for 20 minutes straight on the same play in a meeting. As one source says, quote, he just completely degrades you and breaks you down and thinks that's the motivation that works. Obviously you saw what Matt Patricia did in Detroit, that series that ran before the season, Brian Flores, Tua could have ruined Tua for good. Probably should have. It's incredible that he's even here. A top, I think he's number one in pass rating in the NFL still. Um, but yeah, you don't hear the best things about McDaniels. Is this it? I mean, are we, are we still going to see teams hire these kind of coaches? You know, whether you're a, a Belichick disciple or not, like will 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 an owner fall again for old school, beat the team down? I think where I'm at with coaches sometimes and GMs too. Everybody that I I did I look at the difference between Denver's offense last year and this year. And it's drastic in the terms of not necessarily yards per play are a little bit better. Um, the, the certain, all the stats I looked at are a little bit better, but the one that's really the biggest one is the points per game points per play. It's coaching like coaching matters. He Russell Wilson isn't he stats look good. You know, people are, there's a big stat going around that Russell Wilson stats are better than, you know, they're better than Mahomes this year. If you just look at touchdowns, picks, yards, all that stuff. But when you really study Denver and study the film, Russell doesn't look that different than last year. But this is what happens when you have structure in the building on offense. We know about Denver's defense, but this is, I'm tying this into coaching. I've only been around, I've been so fortunate to be around Andy Reid and Sean Payton. So I do feel at least qualified to say I've been around and seen it at the highest of the, I mean, like we talked about, Andy Reid to me is the best ever. It matters so much that I hope these, I hope that, like we always say, I hope this team Davis somehow finds a way to put somebody, put the GM in charge or the coach in charge, let him pick his, the other person and do this thing the right way. Here's your chance. And hopefully they can dump some of these players, but Tyler, I don't know who's a good coach anymore. Like coming into the year, I mean, we were talking about Dable. I feel like he's like I, I do feel like he's hurting them, costing like the head coaches can cost you games. Like those decisions are what you're paid for in the fourth quarter, late in games. That's where you make your mark. 
And then you look at Arizona, you look at Indianapolis with rookie coaches. I like what they're doing with Minshew and Anthony Richardson before he got hurt. And Arizona, what they're doing with Dobbs, who they got two weeks before the season, and now they're just shipping him to, you know, Minnesota to go try his best, which another reason we're pro player. But think about Josh Dobbs, his life. <laughs> yeah. All right, we won't get what about into Josh that, Johnson but, too. Hasn't he played like on twenty well, teams? Yeah, we, hey, that was a, uh, that goes back to the AAF and to what I, I was in. Yeah, the AAF. yeah, yeah. We drafted him. With the That's a good one. point on Dable though, because we've got to be objective here. And I've been like, singing his praises and me nonstop. Too. And me too. And me too. And and rightfully so. He was the coach of the year. No question. I, I think they'll be fine. I, I think I do he, too. I do too. He he is a good coach. I think that Joe Shane is a good GM. Uh, but man. Talk about these New York Giant fans just being tortured in new ways each week, each season. 10-7. Was it 20-some seconds left? Fourth and one? Monsoon? You need one yard. Gain the yard. Game over. That's it. And that's the decision that he's made. Think back to week one, Tennessee Titans going for two, believing in your guys. He had to kick that field goal, and then you miss that field goal, and then Zach Wilson wakes up from the. Did you? I'm sorry, I can't even. I can't even speak. Did you see Zach Wilson's quote after the game? Yes, I, I don't know what I'm. Tyler, <laughs> I, we'll get into this. We can get if you want to. We can talk about him too. I he's not playing. It, it's crazy, man. It's crazy what the Jets are doing. It's crazy. I mean, it's if it hasn't been slapped on T-shirts yet, it will soon. But uh, you know, Zach was Zach Wilson was was playing like absolute manure like, up like to that point. Looked, like he always, looked. yeah, awful, awful, awful. But I've he was asked, no you know, what no was improvement kind of going through his head when they take over after that missed field goal. Yeah, twenty four seconds, no problem. no problem. I think it's like that. It's that air of unearned cockiness that just pisses everybody off. Like a lot of quarterbacks could say that and we'd all justifiably be praising them as like, you know, just cocksure confident. You got to be that way in that moment. Guys rally behind that, but not somebody who's been an unmitigated bust. Not somebody who has been that bad on that team. To the point where you are wooing Aaron Rodgers and you know he tears his Achilles and now you're out there just trying to survive offensively. But but yeah, back to the Giants to lose to that team, that quarterback that way. That that's awful. That's really bad. It's it happened. I mean, I've seen it with Washington this year. Once these coaches can learn to get field goals and punts out of their vocabulary. I swear, I think things will get better for them. I really believe that. Like, get it out of your mind. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's time and just time and play, but it should be your last. Just I, like I always say about punting, it's quiet quitting. It, it, it maybe one, one a game, maybe <laughs> if you can. <laughs> I just otherwise, if you just the more you're punting, and then you do, and that's the other thing with like, like I always said for a coach to on a fourth and one to not have that, like to go for, not get it. You had a chance to go for it, end the game that now you got to do the walk of shame around your, your, in the locker room. Like 
like Mario Cristobal had to do in Miami, you know, for his disaster earlier this year at the University of Miami. Like, that's a walk of shame. And the players are looking at you like, we're out there. <laughs> we need you to help us. We're out there doing what we can. We need you to make the call, make the timeout, make the right call. Just please make the right call. Let us win the game. Because it was an inspired effort by the defense. I mean, this Kayvon Thibodeau was playing out of his he, mind. That, that actually was the first time I've seen him like, okay, I, that's some, he had some Mario Williams look to him. I was like, all right. Because he has not great. shown up much. Because if you if you don't get that yard, Zach Wilson still needs Zach Wilson. That's exactly right. The, ask the defense if, how they like their chances. How ask the the, the defense. Hey, you think you can stop him? They'd be like, yeah, go for this thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason that you know we're sitting. I get it. Like, it's easy to criticize. To it's all hindsight. All of that. But I think if the, the best coaches are consistent, though. And more often than not, they're going to pull that trigger. They're going to take that chance. Doug Peterson does in Jacksonville. Dayball did it all last year with the Giants. Probably like a lot of it is he's he's looking at his offense. I mean, they have been decimated by injuries to an apocalyptic level. I mean, what's happened in New York, I mean, holy shit. It's unbelievable. I mean, Justin Pugh is selling real estate and doing a podcast, and now he's like their best lineman. Uh, you're down to Tommy DeVito, who – you don't trust enough to even throw the and, ball. But that that is that is an embarrassing look I'm to Joe Shane. And and honestly, you can't have a guy on your roster that you're terrified to put in the game. I mean, that's always the rule. If he's on your P like if he's on your P squad, there's a chance he's coming up at some point. There's a chance he's gonna get in a game. Like it goes down. That's how we used to think about players on the P squad. Like you put that much. You should be putting that much effort into your practice squad as well. Like, if he's on that P squad, we want him to come up and we want to put him in a game if needed. I just can't believe you'd have a quarterback on your team you're terrified to throw with. And I get it to an extent. It's it's a monsoon. It's the well, Jets. That's your it's, defense that's is playing great. Saquon that's a good Barkley. Uh, but but to that's to that extreme, point. to have minus nine yards passing, like that's that's the part. But there had to have been a play. In that playbook, you can scheme up, get a receiver open, simple throw, and that busts the game open. And that's, again, kind of thinking glass half full instead of glass half empty, right? Like, what plays can we make instead of what could possibly go wrong? Like, living in fear. Um, a lot true. like we, we talk about McDermott and those decisions, the Cincinnati game last year, the playoffs when, yeah, if you don't get it on fourth and two, whatever it was, deep in your own end, last play of the third quarter, the game's over. Yeah, I get it. But your defense sure as heck ain't going to stop them twice in the fourth quarter. You could get it. You could change momentum. You could think positively. I don't know. As a coach, I think it's, it's a mentality. And, and, and think it optimistically and believing in your guys. But they, didn't, they obviously didn't believe in Tommy DeVito there. So it is. that's where the GM and the coach – all need to be kind of in sync and, and find guys you believe in. And well, they do, they have their, they do have an out. They do have an out though with DeVito as far as the weather, the defense he was playing against. I get that. Like that is not an ideal situation for any, a third string quarterback. He's not even a number two. He's a number three. He's getting tossed in there. I'm just saying 
Yeah, there's a way to – I like how you said that. There has to be a player, too, you can – after the initial – after the initial you got in the game, all right, we, you know, we're going to run the ball a little bit, get your feet wet. All right, there's got to be a couple plays we can take. Take a shot. What quarterback doesn't want to take a shot? I'm talking about a shot at a bar and a shot down the field. I want my quarterbacks to want shots. Isn't it crazy? I mean, they are that Buffalo game. They should have won. Obviously we, we talked about it. Insane. Many, many levels. And then this jets game, I mean, the, they, they'd be four and four with those two games. <laughs> and they'd be like every other team in the NFL. <laughs> right? They're questioning every, every, the fans want everybody fired in the building. They think they can make the playoffs. I'm telling you, Tyler, it's, if, unless you're the Philly, unless you're Philly or Kansas City, even San Fran, really, they're they're fine too. They're, these teams are all fine. It's where we're at. It's it's been a wacky season, but it it's the it, it's Kansas City in the AFC, Philly in the NFC, and we're trying to figure the rest out. Uh, where do you want to go from here? I know we wanted to touch on Fournette, so the Bills. Let's do that. Add a running back. Super Bowl, Lenny, Lombardi, Lenny, whatever he's going by now. Uh, we'll see how much juice he has left. Kind of tells you where they're at with Damian Harris. I don't know. I mean, in terms of philosophically, I mean, they've had good backs. They, they've, I mean, Zach Moss is doing what he's doing with Indianapolis. They drafted him. He was here in Buffalo. Devin Singletary was fine. James Cook is fine. They're still trying to find that balance of how much do we run? When do we run? What are we on offense? What's our identity? Uh, they found it for a half against Tampa Bay. Then they had the four punts to end the game to try to, you know, roll out that red carpet to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to welcome them back into the game. Um, does this, does this transaction move the needle for you at all? And thinking back, that would have been your last draft or I'm sorry, so your second to last draft. With the Bills. I think it was the yeah. Was it the 17 draft? Or, I, yeah. I believe it was 17. Yeah, that was our last so draft. So that was the last draft with the Bills. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought it was. And so that draft was the that was the running back draft where and why well, I smile when they got Fournette. And you asked me if it moves the needle. Yeah, not yeah. I'm I'm and Russell Douglas. That combination. Um, because here's what they both have that I love about Fournette and Douglas is they have the junkyard dog toughness. Like they have all the grit you want. And and at this time of year to come in, I like that. So you're getting that right away. And that is never a bad thing. Douglas, we know Douglas. Here's the thing about Fournette and Russell Douglas. Neither guy can run. All right. Neither guy's fast. Douglas gets by on pure length, ball skills, instincts. And like we talked about the toughness, Fournette is a straight. I'm run. It's he's he's going straight ahead. He's going to run you over. You know what's coming. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he can protect as far as he knows protections. So a lot of those go into play too when you get a veteran back. I like it. Does it? Is it going to be a game changer? I don't know. I don't know how committed the Bills are ever going to be to running the ball, but I think having Fournette gives you a mentality as a coach because here's a guy that's known for it, has done it, has a hunger to him. So now you get him, 
all right, this is what he does. Let's do it with him. And it may change up how you call a game with a guy like Fournette, especially, especially now they're doing well in the red zone this year, scoring touchdowns, which is, is I think that one of the great stats, red zone touchdowns and not field goals. Um, and the bills are doing that. So I like, I, I like the addition. Jim, I really think it's important to remember with Leonard Fournette too, how he came up new Orleans, seventh ward preordained for greatness. Really? It's crazy. And I, I forgot about it a little bit myself. It's been so long, but in 2019, I sat down with Leonard Fournette down in Jacksonville. I think we met up at like a top golf or something and just uh, got into his life, his off season, his turnaround. Really? It, he, he kind of had this reawakening where he just went out to the middle of nowhere, Wyoming trained like Rocky and wanted to turn his career around, turn his life around, cut people out of his life. Uh, but we kind of started at the start and it's, it's easy to forget. So this is somebody who at 18 years old, you've got Lil Wayne tweeting about you. Uh, LSU head coach, Les miles compared Leonard Fournette to Michael Jordan, not once, but twice before he took one collegiate snap. He's getting those comparisons. <laughs> I, I see you're exasperated. Well, and then uh, once he gets to college, local icon Archie Manning, right, who's larger than life down there, he, he calls Leonard Fournette the next Jim Brown when he's 21 years old. And then he's he is the number one recruit in the nation. He gets to LSU. He lives up to the hype. I mean, he has an amazing college career. He's must-see TV, just barreling through defenders, strength plus speed, a rare combo, right? Anytime you see that, you start to have the visions of Bo Jackson and his prime dancing in your head. Uh, but then he becomes an NFL prospect, and you get to that 2017 draft. You're with the Buffalo Bills. With Doug Whaley, Sean McDermott, head coach, your final draft with the team. What was your evaluation of Leonard Fournette? How did you view Fournette, the NFL prospect, back then, 2017? And how did other people in the building view him? So that was the that was the the quarter, that was the Mahomes draft. So going into that draft, we were picking whatever it was ninth or whatever that pick was, um, before we traded out of it. And we obviously we knew we had the the deal in place with the chiefs. But if obviously if there's somebody that we just loved, we weren't going to trade the pick. So we had to spend a lot of time on those running backs because they were worthy. It was Fournette, Dalvin cook and McCaffrey were the big, you know, the three big ones that we're trying to sort through. And when I tell you, Tyler, everybody in the building always has, you could have, everybody has them ranked different. The more people you have watched three guys, it's it's more confusing. I, I can't explain it. That stack to me, I had McCaffrey one, Fournette two, Dalvin Cook three. I was wrong on Dalvin Cook. As far as when I say I had him, I, Dalvin Cook is better than Fournette as far as the NFL goes. I thought Fournette would be I, – I thought Cook was – I was wrong on Cook as far as his, his explosion and speed. I thought he took a pounding when he ran the ball, even at Florida State. I never thought Cook avoided contact very well. And I worried about that as far as his style went, but I was wrong. I overthought that. The guy is just an animal and he is, he's legit. Fournette, for a big back, I thought he had a way of delivering the blow more 
and a way of even maneuvering. He had a little more like his footwork was good for a big man. I just love his whole attitude. So, and then you had McCaffrey for me, who I thought was, he is, McCaffrey's one of those, I talk about guys I've gotten wrong before. McCaffrey, I feel confident in telling you I got right. Um, I thought he was going to be special, superstar. I hadn't seen a back like him that you could just do everything with, keep him on the field all day. He's a nightmare for a coordinator because of his route running and hands, his toughness. I don't care about his size because he avoids. Um, everything about him right now is is what we thought. And he he's had a he's had health issues. I mean, obviously, he's had tough time staying healthy. So point being, there was somebody in our building that is still there in Buffalo that had Fournette as the number one back in that draft. Love Fournette. So I'm not surprised that he's there and they're taking a chance on him. And they should love Fournette as a running back. Um, and there are people that didn't like McCaffrey in that building. That didn't think he was worthy of a top well, 10 pick. I mean, let's cut to the chase. Well, I mean, Sean McDermott is let's just say, head coach making these say, decisions with you. What, how did he view these backs? Let's just say I think I would it would have been a tough sell to take him top 10 for us. McCaffrey? Yes. Based on decision makers possibly not wanting his style. So we'll leave it he at that. He is white. He is a white running back. He's got that working against him. That's a good thing about tape. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> it's no. Uh, it, it's it's hard to believe that um, a guy that special. I, I think back a guy like McCaffrey. How he wasn't even a top five pick. I guess it was based on the size alone. Maybe you're just always concerned about the size. But he was unbelievable at Stanford. I mean, it was. Tyler, you think about those Pac-10 players, those West Coast players, like us East Coast residents. We don't really see those games, but he was one player that forced you to maybe stay up a little later than you wanted to just to see what he would do next. That was Christian McCaffrey. Well said. Two running backs that I think about that I don't even know who else was on their team, but watching them, it didn't matter who was on their team. They were going to get their yards. It was McCaffrey and Shady McCoy. When you watch when you watch Shady at Pitt, it didn't matter. Like there was he didn't have NFL players. He didn't have an NFL quarterback. Those guys are so special. When you see that, to your point, you want to stay up, watch them. Anyway, yeah. that uh, but that draft was like I said. I was a little low on I, Cook. I thought was I had Cook more as a second round pick. I miss. I was wrong on Cook. He is. Whew. He is everything. I think the big question too with Fournette is if he's focused, if he's locked in, you are getting a special running back. Now, that uh, offseason I referenced into 2019, that's when he he dropped from 247 to 228. He's just out in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, training like a madman, knew his career was on the line, knew he came in with all these expectations and and, and had a good season. It wasn't a good season for the Jaguars, but he did kind of th turn things around personally. Um, eventually wears out his welcome there. Granted, you've got a lot of factors, right? Doug Marone. I'm sure they didn't see eye to eye. Gets to Tampa Bay. And things are a little dicey mid-season. He, he really opened up on this in the uh, America's Game documentary on that Tampa Bay Super Bowl team. 
it's really worth your time watching. But, you know, Bruce Arians was, was kind of blunt with Fournette and Fournette knew that if I didn't become more of a team player and buy into what we're doing, I'm going to get cut again and I'm going to be in the wilderness. And he buys in, he becomes central to their offense. I know we'll all remember that as a Tom Brady Super Bowl, but it was Fournette with a dash of what Ronald Jones, I guess, in that ground game that really powered them through the postseason and especially against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I mean, he was excellent, Leonard Fournette. And that was only a couple seasons ago. So where is he physically? Where is he mentally? He wanted to join a contender, right? He, I'm sure he had opportunities to sign with teams before this, and he actively chose the Bills. The Bills wanted him. I don't know. I felt like Latavius Murray was fine. Uh, Murray was playing okay. James Cook's been good. I don't really know what the rotation is going to look like, what the run game will look like, uh, but it's a low-risk addition. That could, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If it works out, you might have somebody that can really give you a little bit of punch in the winter. Agree. He's different. I, I Guys that were superstars at a young age, that that doesn't go away. Like, they they – they fight. He's fighting right now. He knows how to be. He he has a level. He expects to play at a certain level. You know, he has expectations because that's all he's ever done. So you're getting a, you're getting a hungry guy that used to be a, a star like this. I like it. Plus, he's he bald anything. and has a beard, so that that's a good thing. So he could be a podcast star. Yeah, yeah. That's he's got that working for him. You know. We, we, we jumped right into Fournette and the Bills, but would be remiss if we didn't look at the uh, inverse, that's what I'm looking for, of the Las Vegas Raiders dumpster yeah. fire because yeah. we saw it on the same field. Yes. The Detroit Lions under Brad Holmes, under Dan Campbell, I think it bears repeating, like, okay, the Raiders, here's how everything goes wrong. Here's Detroit. Here's how everything goes right. What What – it, does that juxtaposition really look like to you, Jim? It looked like we should have touched on it when we we talked about the Raiders because it was watching the two opposite organizations doing things the right way and the wrong way. And Detroit, I Tyler, I was going to ask you: Did you know Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell? Was there ever a connection? Did you hear anything about those two? I'm, I guess here's why I'm asking: They are they, they they appear very synced up as far as Whenever you see that, that Brad is drafting players that are getting on the field and the coach is happy, that means they're getting each other. Like Brad's getting the kind of guys he they want the same guys, and that's when you feel yeah. good. And the question always becomes to us now: Is golf good enough outdoors? That's gonna that for Detroit is gonna come down to it: Is golf good enough against good defenses outside in the weather? All the if the conditions are right, we know golf is is pretty good. Um, anyway. Love what they're doing as an organization. Like, even the fact that they got rid of a guy like Swift, who's a good player. And I was like, I was confused by it at first. Because to me, you're just doing that, you know, you're spinning wheels. Replace one, a good player, and get a good player in Gibbs. Until I watched Gibbs. That was kind of my first exposure the other night to Gibbs. They, good job, Brad. I, I see it. I see it. 
there's McCaffrey there. There's receiver skills. There's explosion, game-breaking speed. There's there's instincts. You know, when you just see guys with the ball and just have a feel, like he had all that, I thought. So anyway, love the way Detroit, and you've been on Detroit, but I thought about the other night just watching those two teams play. It's like, look at the disaster on one side of the field. <laughs> the other side of the field, honestly, was trying to give that game to the disaster. The garbage that, I mean, the Raiders actually had chances, which is just, that's the NFL. We know that. We talk about week to week. But, like, golf, you can't throw that pick six. Like, that's that's inexcusable pick six for a veteran quarterback against a, a bad team, bad defense. Anyway, Detroit, Tyler, you've been on them. That was your pick before the season. It's going to be a fun ride here at the end. But it's nice to see teams have a plan stick to it yeah. they built they built from and you see the build you see the all the building you see the blocks it's pretty cool it is even even the the less heralded players like an alex anceloni right 100 percent. good call he's with dan campbell in new orleans so yes. he knows how anceloni's wired yes love those types of guys gonna get he was the best player on the field Two sacks, three TFLs, two QB hits there, seven total. I mean, he, he was all over the place. Mm. And, I mean, Khalif Raymond, who I got a kick out of, Troy Aikman oh, referred to great. as, you know, this, this young guy, this young this young <laughs> little receiver. Yeah, he's been in the league seven years. You know, when he muffed a few punts early on, he thought his career was over, overcame it. Hutchinson. Hutchinson is everything that you could want. Would you agree? Yeah. And guess what? I don't think he was even the best defensive end on the field. Max Crosby is on a level this year. Like he's he is right under TJ Watt, in my opinion, as far as the most dominant player I've watched on defense this year. It's incredible how good he is. Anyway, he's impressive that he's is, stuck there. He is. I mean, he's unbelievable. Stuck is a good word. Not a good look for the Green Bay Packers that you lost to this team, too, is it? Tyler. Just a few weeks ago. I thought that was the breaking news you were going to talk about today, that they were going to start Clifford over uh, Jordan Love. <laughs> oh, God. And if that's the case, whoa. But um, I, there's not, I'm not sure how many. Granted, you need to see more out of Jordan Love. Oh, you yeah. I'm not right now. I'm special. Saying, yeah. I'm saying, but it's that. such a mess. I mean, their yeah, problems are yeah. so much deeper than the quarterback. Agreed. The quarterback is what everybody will be talking about Agreed. on every program. And I get it. It's the quarterback. And he's replacing Aaron Rodgers, who replaced Brett Favre. Mm. And we're going to get into it with Bob McGinn later today on that podcast. Yeah, I always try not to talk too much Green Bay because I know you guys hit it hard. But really, I mean, it does tie into this. Mm. If, if the Raiders are willing to just fire their head coach, fire their GM, dare themselves to get better. An owner makes that decision. Green Bay doesn't have an owner. They don't have somebody at 1 a.m. who's going to make a move like this, right? Mm. They've got Mark Murphy, who is the president, who does have authority, but he's not an owner mm. like, a da like a Mark Davis, like a Jerry Jones, a Terry Pagula. Pick any owner in the NFL, Shad Khan. Uh, I think fans, justifiably so, want to see some action taken, though, in Green Bay. I mean, this has been awful. Goes back and to we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but a lot of these draft mm -hmm. picks, 
haven't really panned out. So, I mean, uh, there is a lot on, on the GM again, that we've praised plenty on this show. And I, I still will for having the guts to move on from Aaron Rodgers. However, this plays out, they had to, they had to do that, but you want to see more out of those draft picks and you want to see more out of the game plan. I mean, Matt LaFleur, you know, if you're looking at that Shanahan coaching tree, where is that limb going? I mean, that limb is just, that's the one with all the rotten apples on it. That, that's the one that's decaying, rotting, falling. Your it daughter's pretty, asking, Dad, what's wrong? What's wrong with that limb? What's going on? Oh, it's on the ground. And now we're tossing it over the fence. He ain't doing what Mike McDaniel's doing. Bobby Slowick, Kyle Shanahan. It looks like a different offense. It ain't the same. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a story on that too later this week. But I think we were all expecting since Jordan Love has been sitting behind, you know, and been in this offense, it should have looked a little bit. It shouldn't look like the Carolina Pan the Panthers on offense. Like that's how bad Green Bay's offense looks to me sometimes. Where it's just there's no, I can't figure out what anything they're trying to do and. Where's the talent? Panthers, Panthers, to be honest, have more talent. I think it's skill positions than Green Bay has right now. Like, I don't know. It's bottom line situation, not good. <laughs> like, if you're talking about, I mean, Love just looks, the offense looks so far behind. And to your point, where, how is that? That's on the coach. It's a combination. Yeah, he's not great. Right, it's. It looked fine with Aaron Rodgers. That offense looked just fine with Aaron Rodgers. Did it though? I mean, they were four and eight at one point last year. They Fair enough. The wins and losses is one thing, but Aaron Rodgers, I, Tyler, I'd love the the honest. Is he looking around like, see, I told you guys, this is why I didn't want to be there. Like, we didn't have the talent. This coach isn't. He's not shit without me. Like, just like Drew. Like, I swear, it's like all these quarterbacks are realizing that. They leave well, these teams like but he needed Devonte Adams too. Like I think what which Aaron Rodgers are we talking about? 2019, 2020. I'm, I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. That's fine. I'm not going to base it on wins losses. He's he is he is the most talented as we've ever watched. He's you've done the work on him as his personality, and it ran its course in Green Bay. It had to stop. We've talked about it. It did. It just wasn't going to go where it needed to go. I'm just thinking to myself, why would Aaron Rodgers have wanted to play in Green Bay? Like, I, I don't, there's no, if he was out there this year, I don't know what the difference would be. What would the difference be in Green Bay this year? I, I mean, it would look a little better. You know, if his gripe was wanting some veterans, wanting Devontae Adams to stick around, wanting a, a yeah. Odell Beckham, like whatever, it, it, group. But, uh, but if he did, then don't, don't rake the team over the coals contractually financially i mean he that's that's what he did and he's got every right to do it don't get me wrong he does every right he went in those mvps to get three years 150 mil you know green bay's living in that world now with all that dead cat money they're they're paying they're paying the price uh but if if the gripe is why would he want to be there when they're that young it's like well you did have some control over that too if you're aaron Rodgers, you you could do what tom brady did every year of his prime and take less money so they go sign veterans. Like he could have done that. Very fair. I'll, I'll say this though, where I underestimated 
the Rodgers Jets situation was that that Jets defense, Ooh. Garrett Wilson. I mean, if if Aaron Rodgers even as is is their and quarterback, the running back, the running back, and the running oh Brees Hall stud He's special. They would have been. Uh, they would have been in the mix. They would have been in the mix. Contenders I, in the AFC. Have, I, I mean, I was, I was wrong. We, I was I wrong was about true. that. I was <laughs> this is a, this Jets defense. I kind of thought they'd fall off a little bit. They have it's not. At too all. hard to throw Rodgers into an AFC conference like that and think they could compete against these established Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, Ravens. They could have competed. This defense. That's that's the difference. They are that good to keep you in every game. They are. Even when they didn't have Sauce Gardner, right? He's out. Amazing. DJ Reed was out a couple weeks back, and they 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 still beat Philly. That was the Philly game, right? Yeah, still look incredible. So I don't know. Let's you know. Let's end here. So we know the Chiefs in the AFC, the Eagles in the NFC. Did I just say that right? It's early. Yeah. It's yeah. Is what team? Right? Uh, what team aren't we talking about that's going to work their way into the mix the, the second half of the season? I think that I think you have we I think we've talked plenty about Detroit and San Fran. They're the obvious ones in the NFC. Dallas is still sneaking around. They're always the wild card. Dallas is that team that you don't want to play, but maybe you do want to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but they they have enough to scare you because they do have play, you know. So I guess, but I feel like we're talking about Baltimore and Cincy. Are the trendy, you know, they're the trendy picks in the AFC now that it's Tyler. I think it's all the same teams we've talked about from the start. It's San Fran, Philly, Detroit, Jacksonville's in the mix in the AFC. They're officially right there. It's going to be it, like we, it's, I don't think there's any surprise teams. Would you Seattle. say there's a, Seattle. I don't think, see, I'm, I'm not buying into Seattle yet. No. Wow. I'm not, I'm stubborn. Why? I don't. I don't see it. I don't think Gino. I don't. I don't think it's good enough. I think they need things to be too right. Gino is good. He's good. I just don't think he's taken. I don't think he's elevating their offense against when it gets time that when you need it when you need the quarterback. Is Brock Purdy elevating though? I, I think Purdy's fine, even through some of this. The, it's been a weird. It's been a strange couple of weeks for Purdy. That that it started in that Cleveland game. It it was just they just got to get through this. It's like I keep saying, it's a tough time of year for everybody. Just get through this. Get back to being healthy. I wasn't that Chase Young for San Fran. I'm not a huge watch. Okay, last thing I want to say: watch Chase Young against Jordan Mailata for the Eagles, the left tackle. And tell me who you would tell me what you would give up for Chase Young. Zero. Because guess what? He went against basically, I compared Mylotta to Wembenyana of the NBA, where we've never quite seen a player look like this at the position. I, we've never seen a Wembenyana, and we've never seen a Mylotta at left tackle. As far as that height and length, he covers up everybody. He moves, he dances with these guys, he's dancing with defensive ends. He's waiting for them to come back to him. He's punching them, waiting to come back. I'm, he's dancing out there as 6'8", 350. I'm like, Chase Young didn't have a shot. He looked like a high school, like three-star against five-star. It is an amazing story, and I'm so glad you brought him up. I can't get over the story because I sat there and told you Trent Williams is the greatest 
I think to ever play the position. And then here, here, this guy is that he may end up being better. Who knows? For those who don't know, he grew up in Australia playing <laughs> rugby. So Jeff Stoutland, Eagles offensive line coach, takes him on as his project. And you're right, he's massive. I talked to him a little bit Super Bowl week last last year in Arizona, and to stand next to him, holy hell. Just a massive, massive individual. Six, seven, three, oh, that's his, those are his pre-draft measurables, so he's probably grown since then. Yeah, about six, eight, 370. It's and wild. he moves. That's why. He moves. So that's where you're getting at with the Wimbignana. He just can the move length. So just how well he just, at that size. Just that length of just you've never seen a guy quite with that measure, you know, just that. Because usually that tall left tackle is, you know, it's hard to play low. It's hard to have bend, leverage. He's okay with it. He can absorb it. He doesn't get knocked off. You know, those guys have a tough time with balance because they're so tall. His balance is ridiculous. Like he is just, he's just rock solid, everything. And he's only going to keep getting better. I would agree. Yeah, we'll uh, definitely need to have another podcast soon on what we were going to talk about in terms of like non-quarterbacks. Yeah, he that will he's decide wondering. this season. Yeah. He he's right up there. Just players we aren't talking nearly enough about. Uh, but I think that's going to be good for today. That was a lively discussion. So thank you, Jim. The that's Raiders good. changing things up for us. Good luck. Thanks so much, everyone. Again, read everything. Go along td.com or right there on Substack if you subscribe to some various newsletters in the Substack world. Every story, every podcast, right in your email inbox. Uh, and if you're a free subscriber, if you're new around here, we'd love to have you upgrade. We're completely powered by you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And hey, as the weather turns. We've got our friends over at Fatty Beer. Make sure you get on into Orchard Park, Hamburg, Kenmore, Tonawanda, downtown, anywhere in Western New York, and pick up a six-pack of whatever beer you prefer. Thanks so much, everyone.